the juice podcast cody mitchell connor holiday here national championship recap episode and i okay so today is friday january 12th so the question is going to be like why are you why are you guys recapping the national title game that's old news that was four days ago well we'll make this very brief um i lost one of my dogs today or on wednesday and yeah, like anybody that's going to give me shit for it, like it's just a dog, whatever. I don't care. Like that was one of my babies and I, and we ended up losing her. We were going to record Tuesday and literally I got home and there was a situation where we had to rush her to the med vet and yeah, ultimately we ended up losing her. So for one, I am not obligated to do this podcast. Neither are you, Connor. We don't have sponsorships yet that require us to do a show weekly. We do this to try to give out winners to help people make money on betting. Correct? Yes. Like that's something we do on our own. We have one sponsor and it's basically on a promo code basis. So I do not I'm, we are not required to do a show every week. So when I want to take personal time for a loss that hurt me and hurt my family, like that it should be okay. And anybody that's a dog lover, animal lover, anything, cats, dogs, don't care. What you, unless you're in, like, snakes and shit. I don't give a shit about that. But you understand what it goes through. And it, it sucked. I'm getting better. I love you, Emmy. We will miss you so much. But, again, we're, we don't have to do this. Like, we're trying to, yes, it's fun. I love, I love Connor. He's one of my best friends. And we love, this is what, if we weren't doing this podcast and recording it, we would be doing this same exact thing, like, anyway, right? Like, this is all we talk about I'd half the time anyway. I'd, I'd still be breaking down college football like I do. I mean, obviously, since we started doing this, I did. I took it to another level than I already was. Like, obviously, when you don't have to do this for any reason, you pay attention to the sport, but, like, I, like, really try to do my research for this sport. And, like, I mean, I write down literally every piece of knowledge that I can, like, write down to make this show better. Yeah. I mean, this is, I want to say, like, this is mine and Cody's, like, get-rich scheme. But, like, we want to grow this into something that we can look back on a couple of years and like, holy shit, like we were recording this in your back bedroom or over Zoom. Well, the first and... time we recorded was literally in my mother-in-law's basement. It just happened to be that exactly. day where the cat was stepping on the 
we recorded like 25 minutes of unrecorded audio because she stepped on the space key, which pauses on Adobe. And I will say, yeah, to piggyback off your point about growing everything, like that was, that's the whole goal here. And we want to get on other social media platforms and do other things. But unfortunately, I'm going to be honest with every all the listeners, and I haven't talked about it much, and I know we have to recap the national title game. We have other news in the coaching worlds that are very big. But I'm going to lie, in the last two years, like my life's like kind of been shitty. Like A lot of shit has happened for it's like right when we're gaining momentum, Connor, we lose it because like obviously like I got hurt. My dad dies. I have two dogs that pass away. I have family members that pass away. I have my girlfriend's family members that pass away. Like, we've kind of been fucked. I'm not going to lie. Like, we have so many goals that we want to do. We want to do other things. But right when we get to those points, something has fucking happened. And I promise that we're going to continue to pick winners and we're going to do what we can to get our name out there as far as possible at a higher level. It's here very soon. It's... Yes. Like what when we had the if you've been with us from the start when the, even before this was bet the juice with shout out the guy in many the, in of the you Netherlands get, yeah whoever that dude is keep on listening um, tell your friends but if you if if you have been following with us yeah like our first podcast we only got into it like till week four and then. Cody obviously had his big injury. Just say what you want to then say. We, Just say what you want to say. Okay, set himself on fire. <laughs> um, but, but also, ever since we've rebranded, we have not like had a long period off unless it was something personal that happened. No, we haven't. We haven't done anything like that, and you realize I could hear. You can hear my dog. That. Yeah, she's being. Yes, she's being it a is so loud. Yeah, she's being. Oh, there you go. We may have. We may have to restart because I don't know if anybody could hear what no, I was it, saying. Holy it, crap! I I could definitely. If I can hear it, they can hear it. But yes, to piggyback off what you said, it's one hundred percent true. It's just. Some shit has happened in life that I don't think happens to a lot of people, and it's kind of shitty. And we are going to grow this, and we are going to branch out. We're going to get on TikTok. We're going to do. We're going to cut videos from the Discord and things like that. We're on Discord right now, and there's going to be a lot of more exposure. It's just, it's been a shitty part. It, 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 there's no easy way to say it. And like, if you've been with us from the start, you have probably been able to notice like the changes that we are trying to be more consistent we are trying to like even in the off season like we still stuck to doing an episode a week and to be honest like you if you knew like what me and cody were were like trying to think of how we were gonna fill episodes like it we tried to do everything we could to They'll be pumping out episodes, even though like the sport's not going on. And while we do try to stick to being about betting, we also try to do the best to cover this sport. So we're trying our best, yeah. and every year it's this show's just gonna keep 
growing, keep getting better because we're learning from our mistakes. Like right after basketball season, like it's going to go down to one a week, but also the, at the same time, me and Cody are going to be like trying to think up of what do we need to do to get like bigger social media following and then just keep growing and growing and growing. This podcast is never going to stop changing. Well, no, it, until it, um, until we hit it and we're like, you know what? We found it. It's working. And then we'll probably, I mean, we'll still probably try to tinker. We'll still try to be the best that we can because, I mean, if we get any kind of following, we're not going to stop until we're at the top. Exactly. You know, I got a couple things before we start. Um, one, there could be two people listening to this show, and I would probably still do it because, I, I mean, this is my this is my hobby. It's our hobby. It's it's golf and betting on sports. So we would do this anyway. Two, we have grown. We started out as the TDs and Corner Threes podcast, and we kind of rebranded to something else because we want to kind of broaden our horizon. It we went from about, I mean, we were some. I mean, to be shitty about it, we were some episodes we were getting like seven listeners. Like now we're getting to like average now 125 an episode, so we're like doing something right. And then, last, well, we know we haven't really gotten much feedback unless it's been your family or whatever. So we could be absolutely tanking and we don't really know it. They're just going to give us the, well, give us like, Oh, you guys are doing so great. Well, I'm talking about it from a listening standpoint. I can have, I can pull the statistics up. No, I agree. We're very widespread across the country. And again, we're going to, there's going to be more things to come. And I want to do, since we can do like over the, now we can do it remotely. There's going to be a lot of changes. So, I was going to talk about the programming at the end of it, but we're going to do it right now before we break down the national championship. I just want to talk a little bit of shit before we got into the national title talk because I don't want people giving me shit because we couldn't record because of the passing. If we were contractually obligated to do it, yes, I would have done it, but I was not. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take the time off. We're going to do it this day. But come Monday. So, well, first off, we do about two episodes a week. Correct. But come Monday, we are going to do, because we are a college betting show, we're going to do basically a recap of what has happened in college basketball. Later in that week, we will do, that. for one, that one will be Connor in person. It's going to be a long one. Um, If you don't like me and you're a big Connor fan, probably don't tune in because I'm probably going to talk a lot. Um. If you're a Connor fan and your girl hit me up, please do. He needs he needs light back. Um, but but yes, and then maybe later in the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, we don't know the dates yet. They're gonna we're gonna kind of wrap up in the middle of all our episodes. We're gonna do like a wrap up of college bat or college football with the transfers, coaching news, blah blah blah, and then. Friday, like we're diving into college basketball. We're betting on games and then going from there. College basketball is going to be a little different. The way I want to do it is we're going to basically, we're going to pick every single Power Six game. Now, if we're, it's a, we're going to pick it, it doesn't mean we're locking it up. You will mention that. And then we'll have some other games kind of thrown in there as well. But 
yeah, it's it's basically going to be like we're going to change a lot of things come next year. We're going to do a little bit different now. We know we can do it remotely. Like I'm not, I don't want college basketball because that is something we're going to cover because we're just going to act like we've been following it all year. I have. You've been diving into football. Um, next year we might do some like just sprinkling another show every week and just kind of give an update until we go. But Connor. There's big news. I'm tired of rambling. We got to break down the national title game. Michigan 34, Washington 13. Michigan wins their first national title since 1997 when a bunch of writers basically voted for who was the national champion. Um, yeah, I was completely wrong on this game. I'll be the first one to admit it. Um, Michigan absolutely dominated the line of scrimmage. And I thought Michael Penix. I knew Michael Penix was going to be in a little bit of trouble. And as good as a Washington's offensive line was, I still thought he could, if Michigan got some pressure on him, he could slip out a little bit and he can make some plays on his own. But, man, he looked he looked different. Even when he had a clean pocket, he missed some big throws to some wide-open receivers, and I think that's what ultimately cost them momentum and lost them the game. But... I'll let you go on. You're the call. You're the. You know way more about football than I do. Please, just list out how awesome it feels to see your arch rival, who's beat you the last three years, win a national title. I really hate you. <laughs> I mean, it it almost sucks as much as your Hall of Fame coach getting beat back to back times by their rival to end his career. Who's that? Um, especially being in the final four. Uh, um, uh, what, what are you What are you talking about? Uh, your boy, Coach K. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. But yes, I, that that Gene, one hurt. More. You, that Gene, one definitely for, hurt more. You, the final four I will, one. I yeah, I will tell a story real quick because I've been rambling on. But um, Connor was at my house that day first. First off, my internet like was weird. You remember that? And we couldn't get figure yeah. out why it wasn't starting. And we finally got it up and we watched the Nova game. It was no Nova yeah, it was a Nova Kansas game, then we watched that Duke game. And then after it was over, I was like fighting tears off <laughs> to and then like I know Connor caught me a couple times. Yep. Yep, so as much as you want to make fun of me for losing in a Super Bowl and all the other downfalls I've had with Ohio State, what are you doing? Michigan fights on, buddy. I hate you. And it's bad enough I could hear fucking G yeah. arooing in the background. Yeah, she's going away, but continue. <laughs> but, all right, back to the game. I mean... This game just seems like every last Michigan game that I've seen the last couple years. It's Michigan, like, doesn't really blow the team out in the first three quarters, just leans on them, plays their style of ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, lean on the opponent and then in the fourth quarter when that opponent breaks then it's just like the damn opening and then Michigan scoring all these points I mean but 
Shout out to anybody that tailed me on the Donovan Edwards over rushing yards because literally that first touchdown run, he, he broke it. Did suck for because we did give out the bet on uh, Blake Horn, Roma Dunze to be the first touchdown. But at the same time, like that first long run was just kind of foreshadowing to how this game was going to go. It was kind of funny that we talked about when I gave out that prop about Edwards. Like he hasn't really been as good as he was last year. Normally, he's breaking off these long, long runs, and they finally hit. And of course, it's got to be at the biggest moment. I mean. On the offensive side for Michigan, the running backs deserve so much credit. And J.J. for running the ball. I'm not giving him any credit for what he did passing in this game because I think he threw the ball ten times. But I I, I don't have it written down, but I know they were averaging, what, close to seven yards a carry in that game. I mean, it... it the force behind Michigan was just like too much for Washington. Like it, it was, it was straight up bully ball, and you could even kind of see it that all all eleven defensive players for Michigan deserve so much credit. That defense was so damn good. We kept talking about how. This may be the best quarterback that Michigan's played this season. Well, the one thing we really didn't also take into consideration was this was by far the biggest or the best defense Michael Panics had gone up against this season. And it kind of showed like Michigan's defensive line just bullied Washington's offensive line. I know there was. I know I saw like Washington fans trying to blame the rest for some of those holds and stuff like that, but dude, you just got completely ran over. Even if I know a lot of people want to bring up the panic throw to Adunze that he was wide open and just he kind of threw it to the wrong shoulder. Even if that does hit. I still like that. I this is this was the outcome that I saw. Michigan was gonna win the win the game. Like uh, you kind you kind of talked me into thinking that Washington did have a shot because like I had been doubting them, but I just knew that Michigan was probably gonna be this immovable object. That I mean, Washington couldn't really do much. And once the game got out of control, it, it like there was nothing really Washington could do to come back. I will say, so I want to kind of disagree with a couple things you said there. Um, that throw to Rome, and there was another throw to Rome actually when they had the, on their first drive where they had to settle for a field goal that I think could have swung momentum, and I think momentum especially in college sports could involve a different outcome but like at the end of the day Michigan was the better team Michigan was going to win this football game regardless if he made both of those throws 
But I think they could have been like like at least competitive. It maybe lost by ten. I didn't. They made a lot of mistakes, but at the same time, though, when people, just like I just said there, want to say like if he made this throw and he didn't overthrow him there, like this would be a different game. Well, that was part of the game, though. It was because Michigan kept Penix on his toes, even if they weren't getting pressure, which they were all night. Like, that's in the back of a quarterback's mind. If you got sacked one time, two times, three times, the more it grows, the more you're thinking about, like, I got to look over my shoulder, somebody's coming off the edge, and everything was sped up. They didn't always get pressure and actually get a hurry or a sack, but everything was sped up from Penix, something he was not used to all season long. And, unfortunately, he missed, like, like I... When we broke this down, I said I thought he was the best quarterback in the country. I thought he should have won the Heisman. But he missed two giant throws and then a bunch of other throws along the way. And the interceptions, like, at the end of the half, they were down 20-13, to 13, right? And I thought Washington had the momentum going into half, and I felt really good about the second half. I'd Like, they can – I think they can do this. But – very early on, they got pressure. The offensive line from Washington is backed into Penix, steps on his foot a little bit, and he throws kind of a lollipop out there, and it gets picked off. So, more than anything, as good as uh, – this is basically – you can chalk this national title up to Michigan just ran – it's a line of scrimmage. Michigan ran the ball down their throat and dominated – their defensive line dominated the offensive line and made Penix uncomfortable through that offense off their – like normal tier of how efficient and effective they were and ultimately got a win. Like it sucks. I lost, I'll I'll be honest. I lost my ass on this game because even when I had the big bets before all the, my props are basically geared towards Washington and then down 20 to 13 with some momentum going into halftime, at least in my opinion, because momentum's, if you're not there, like you don't really sense it. I sense Washington had it. I placed more money, so I lost basically all of that that night. I lost my fucking ass on this game. So also the one thing that like could have helped Washington out a little bit, dude, with Dylan Johnson like barely healthy, why are you trying to establish the run so fucking early in that game? Everybody and their mom knew that this dude was hurt, and yet First, second down, runs. It's like, dude, you can't be doing that with somebody injured, especially with the playing style. I know he's been a force for you guys the last couple weeks of these this season. But guess what? In your last fucking game, he suffered a high ankle sprain, which is a very hard fucking injury to play on. And you're going to try to run him like he's still a workhorse. He's injured. You can't be just establishing the run. They needed to spread in a lot more passes in that first quarter if you really wanted a fighting shot. So, I mean, yeah, that first half, like, I know that that Washington was in it, but, dude, I've seen this song and dance so many times with Michigan throughout the last, like, two seasons. Yeah, at halftime, the other team does feel like they're in it. And then guess what? That, the, like, force and the weight that they they lean on you and by the fourth quarter you're fucking tired and guess what that's when you get undisciplined football 
and that's when the dam breaks. It's the Michigan ran its mo for the last like two years to absolute perfection in the national championship when everybody was kind of going to the new age of college football. I will give Harbaugh credit for sticking to the old school way. And guess what? In this instance, they were able to run the whole old school way all season and it led to a national championship. So I hate you, but credit to Michigan. But hey, I get but guess what? You lit a fire under your rival and I cannot wait for next season. Yeah, like like I don't want to like talk like down on Michigan that like Washington's the one that you know, shot themselves in the foot or anything. Like, they, like, I think those... No, Michigan was dominant all year. I'm not trying to take anything. If I want to take anything away or from anyone on Michigan, like, dude, like, you you started off the game trying to establish the pass with JJ when you were getting, like, eight to nine-yard average carry. Yeah, dude, you if you it, you could have had JJ not throw a pass this whole national championship game, and the outcome maybe is get changed by like a couple points. You know that honestly, I didn't even think about that. Like even in the second quarter, when like Washington was gaining a little bit of traction and momentum, like Michigan's offense, like it almost seemed like it was like they were playing with Washington and like trying to establish some narrative that JJ is like this big time quarterback and he can throw the ball when they could have probably ran it every time and got eight yards every single time like this, which I know it like it, I don't want to say it's like obvious what they were doing, but you get what they were doing. You're trying to build the kids draft stock up and like Michigan's offense is not like quarterback draft friendly. Like, I know J.J. is getting hyped for, like, first, uh, like, late first, early second, as far as the quarterbacks go. But also, he's been playing in a system that you can't really tell how good he is. Yeah, it's very... So, I, I, yeah, you were trying to do it when all the eyes of the college football world were on it. Yeah, and then, like, to be honest with you, when it comes to the NFL draft, like, a lot of things are measurables and, like, arm talent, size, all that shit, hand, hand he'll, he'll be, he'll still get, like, I'm not saying, like, he doesn't deserve the draft, uh, like, it, like, I just said early, or late first, early second. I'm not saying, like, JJ's not worthy of that, because guess what, at the same time, he is super efficient, and guess what? That works very well in the NFL. So yeah. if you could be super efficient and super accurate, you could have a very successful career in the NFL. But we just don't know how truly good he is. Yeah. But obviously the whole draft thing, he hasn't announced. He has until the 15th to announce. And, on, and, I mean, there's still one more piece of news from Michigan that, I mean, I'm very interested to see what happens. Like, does Harbaugh stay? I mean, does yeah. it go out on top? Yeah. To go back real quick to the quarterback talks, like I watch, I'm very much a 
watcher of the Mountain West football. I probably watch more Mountain West football than any other conference in the world. And when Josh Allen was there, like every time I watched him, like he was good. Wasn't great. Never nothing popped off the screen to me. And now he's one of the best top five quarterbacks in the NFL. Like it if yeah, you that's if you really look of what's around you. Yeah, but if you really look at like the NFL and like where every kid went to school, it's normally not teams that are contending for national titles every single year. You know, I mean, it, uh, a, Ohio State has a playoff quarterback, uh, co- or playoff quarterback. No, no, and I then, get that, and like obviously CJ Stroud's really good, but no, I know, but also like Bama has Tua and Jalen, but like, and no, I get what you're saying. Like Patrick Mahomes is from Texas Tech. Uh, Josh Allen from Wyoming, uh, Lamar from Louisville, which I mean, yeah, Louisville's like a pretty good program, but they're not like top tier. No, um, by any means. Purdy's from Iowa State, Flacco's from fucking Delaware. Like, no, I get what you're saying. Like, quarterbacks, you could find them in the randomest of places. Yeah, 1000%. I will say before we wrap up the national title talk, you're not going to like any of this because you're obviously a high state fan. But the jokes that Harbaugh was dropping in the postgame interviews kind of made me laugh like that. Now I can sit at the big boy table because he won a title and everything like that. Like it did make yeah, me I laugh. Yeah, I never a even, bit. I completely forgot that he had lost that Super Bowl to John. I completely, like that, that Super Bowl. I completely forget about that. That was brother versus brother. And his brother was on the sideline for that game. Yeah, that I will say that was a pretty cool moment when they showed the when John came onto the sideline and they shared the moment. I will say that that was I, I hate it because they're both my fucking rival. But that was a that cool is moment. True. Yeah, as somebody that's like super super I hate the Harbaugh family. I hate them. I, I mean, under, them. I understand. Though. <laughs> I have the, both their fucking sons are my rivals. I hate yeah, it. I get that. But oh, like, and then you had, and then don't forget the brother-in-law, uh, Tom Cream, who was a fucking pain in the ass at Indiana. Yeah. But like so, somebody that's like super close to his brother and is like, that's my best friend. He's going to be the best man at a wedding. I hope I'm his best man at his wedding. I assume I am, but, and like, we're the same exact human being. Like, Moments like that are super cool. They're super cool. No, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, I, I hate the brothers. I hate them because they are my rivals. But that was a cool moment. I hate them. Yeah, I get it. It's like, it's like me hating, I don't like Dak Prescott. He is a the Cowboys quarterback. I am a Commanders fan. I am basically, my all my life is like, hey, you hate the Cowboys quarterback no matter what. Well, he's also like probably been through more hardship than anybody in the fucking world and is still like giving back to his community and is an amazing human being. And it's like, fuck you, dude. I hate mm-hmm. you. I hate you, but you're a good person. Yeah, it's like my fiance, Jamie. She she hates Patrick Mahomes. She basically hates anybody that's like a really good person. She hates Patrick Mahomes. She hates Dak Prescott. She hates, uh, well, who's the other guy she hates? Well, I hate Patrick Mahomes and I'm. Sorry, that take ain't ever changing. No, but it that's doesn't. Because he also, he also is my rival. Yeah, Jamie's like, I don't give a fuck if he's a good person. I hate him, <laughs> like, because he's a Browns fan. Like, I, I, I get it. But, dude, I'll no, tell you I, what. Why is why is she? Why, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
I have to go. I haven't had to go up against that motherfucker four times. Why the hell does she hate him? <laughs> I think it's because again, I think it's like a lot of people. I think he, she hates his wife. I'm like, that's not him though. You know what I mean? She don't like his brother and all that. Yeah, I get, okay, I get, I, I get that. I, I mean, I hate. I yeah, I don't like the way they basically uh, was it uh, goat ride him. Yeah. And like you guys are only people only know who you are because of Patrick. So yeah, I do hate that part. But no, I hate him because I have to go up against him. But it's also like one of those hates that I respect because at the same time I used to like Patrick because I called that he yes. was going to make it in the NFL. Like like I said, every year I pick a quarterback that I think is going to be like the guy. That year, it was Patrick Mahomes. When I was in the sports card industry, I made a killing off of buying all of his rookies and then selling them for ridiculous prices when he blew up. I used to like Patrick. Now that I have to go up against him every year to either make it to a Super Bowl or, I well, in an AFC championship, I hate him. Dude, I, I totally get it. Like, we talked about it today at work. Like, I don't – I'm a weird – sports fan like I probably one of the biggest sports fans you know right like who else knows yes. a lot as much about sports no, as I do okay biggest biggest sports fan that I know that actually knows what he's talking about because there's there are people that yes. are because like at least our knowledge is more widespread whereas most people is just to their team. Like yeah. we look at everything at a wide spectrum. So yes. Yes. And I, the only other people, honestly, besides you opinion that I respect, like across the board is my brothers and JR's. That's it. But yes. like, I'm not yes. a, yes. I don't have a, I'm not a, like a fan. That's the weird thing about me. And it's kind of nice to not be, I have one team that I root for. And that is the Washington commanders. It's the only team I care about. Anybody else, I don't really give a shit. Unless the Reds are in the playoffs. That's it. So, I do know what you're talking about to a little bit of a degree. Like, look at this. I was this freshman committed to Duke University. He had 800 Instagram followers. I follow him on Instagram. Follows me back. All of a sudden, he's the 8th overall pick in the NFL draft. But where does he go? The New York Giants. And that is Daniel Jones. And now I have to root against him for basically the end of time. And, like, yeah, I don't think he's very good. I think he kind of sucks in the NFL. But guess what? His franchise has owned my franchise for the last, ever since he's been in, I mean, even before that, he got to the NFL, they kind of have. But I think Daniel Jones is like 7-1 against the Commanders. And it's it, like, sucks. Because, like, I am a, when I, we say I'm a Duke fan. I'm a fan, but I am the most fair weather fan. You were possible. you were you were a Duke fan, but you were kind of more in it for Coach K because you respected how good of a coach he was. Well, what what honestly draw me in though is like I didn't have a team in college. JJ Redick was JJ Redick, and I was like, oh, I'm a Duke fan now. And when Duke won both, that's where finals, everybody became a Duke fan. Yes, dude, I swear, at my high school there were. No less than a hundred dudes that became Duke fans literally because of JJ Redding. 
Deuce a Goat. I could literally see them wearing their Duke jerseys in the hallways, and it's like, oh, you guys are Duke fans now. Yeah, I, I, I will say, though, 2020, 2010 and 2015 was the height of my fandom, and I actually like consider it a national title that I won or a Super Bowl or whatever kind of championship you want because I was a big fan. And once Duke kind of got into the one-and-dones and then I also got into gambling, my fandom kind of went away. It's weird that J.J., of all the – titles that duke has won jj did not win one we're getting a little sidetracked though we have one other piece of news to cover here and i think it's a pretty the big biggest one. piece of news in like the last couple of decades maybe for college yes like because literally in the yes. nfl another one happened but we're not gonna talk about that nick well Saban. honestly like two <laughs> but yes who's the ahead. other one well i mean Pete carroll and Bill oh yeah i forgot about that so he wasn't fired. Well, go ahead. He wasn't fired, right? He retired. No, the the two NFL were mutual parting of ways, which it, both coaches seem like, oh, I'm not done. It's just like the organization's kind of done with me. Well, Pete Carroll's still going to be – he's doing something with the Seahawks still, right? Yeah, but it seems like he still wants to coach. Because, honestly, I watched – I haven't been home when one of the interviews broke – Dude, the way he was talking, it just did not seem like it was much mutual. But okay. either way, either way, get this is a college, uh, college podcast. Yeah, I will say for sport. both of those guys, if they do coach again, it was probably like, hey, I don't have a lot of years left, and I'm left with the roster I have, and I can't turn it over overnight. So I need to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But either way, Nick Saban, the greatest college football coach that has ever coached ever is retiring this year. Um, six national titles, one at LSU, uh, went from Toledo to Michigan State to LSU to Alabama, well, to the Dolphins in the NFL and then back to Alabama. But, I mean, basically, I mean, Saban's been the face of college football for, when it, you're not talking about a player, like as of, if you're talking about anybody else but a player, like Nick Saban's been the face of college football for 20 years. And he has exited the game. He's taken his oatmeal cream pie somewhere else. And honestly, I think hands down, I mean, the, if I want to talk about his legacy before we get into like the impact, I think pretty clearly the best coach that has ever coached and has won championships with literally guys that look like me. Like, Jay Coker is a national championship quarterback. I want to see him do a fitness test against me. We might we might break even. Like, the and, and also, like, the farther you get away from the past, like in the 70s, and the 80s, blah, 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 it always becomes harder because there's more regulations, there's more rules, there's more social media is a thing, so your players want that aspect and all, blah, blah, blah. Like, I think hands down, great career from Nick Saban. He is the GOAT. He's the greatest college coach of all time. I don't think that's indisputable either. You can disagree. That's fine. But No, I don't. Congratulations to the man. Awesome career. Uh, I'll let you talk on it a little bit until we uh, kind of dive into the, the impact that's going to leave on the sport and specifically the Alabama Crimson Tide. 
I mean, he Saban was the standard. Um, I mean, what was it? Every three years, he won a title at Bama. Um, dude, he he was he, he was at the top, and everybody was just trying to catch him. Now he got God sometimes, but that's that's sports. It happens. Dude, we will. I don't. I don't know if we will ever see the kind of dominance in this sport like Saban had. I mean, I I don't have his record pulled up or anything like that, but I believe just it's always whenever somebody retires, it is cool to see like some of the stats and stuff like that. But for Saban, just some of the stats are insane. I don't have any of the stats pulled up, but this is just like stuff that I heard. Like, all right, he I had more. What I got the the stat here. So he's been coaching in Alabama since two thousand seven. So that is yes. sixteen years ago. How many games do you think he lost? He won. At, lost. Are you you're just or lost? No. Oh, I well, that was the thing is I pulled up the list of like his losses. Uh so ten. Well, don't uh, look at it. There's supposed to be guessing, not referencing. Uh twenty one. Twenty nine. But if oh. you're but he was two he was two of six and twenty nine. <laughs> like that's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, but what like the stat that I was gonna say was he had more first-round picks than he had losses. Like that, he made the uh, was an NF. He made Alabama an NFL factory, and I think one of the biggest things that I will always applaud him for, and it, 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 it like you can kind of see where he got this from when I started going through this. He was able to bend the rules so much. Until, like, the NCAA changed the rules. And then he would find another way to twist the rules to his advantage. Saban did everything he could to find every single advantage. Like, the whole thing about, like, I I know it's a running joke about, like, Alabama being, like, the school for wayward uh, coaches and stuff like that. But he was also the one that started that with bringing in, um, I forget what advisor he brought in, but literally this guy was uh, a offensive coordinator in the Super Bowl, and he was a uh, like grad assistant for Bama. Like I, he was able to find the rules to make at Bama that much better. Like it, it was. Bud's Bud on Cover Three said it like he th- that Saban had a lawyer on sitting there going through the rule book like we can exploit this until they catch up to us like he he obviously did but it just seemed like he was able to push the limits until they caught on and I mean you look at the success. I don't know if we're ever going to see a coach that has this kind of dominance. And I honestly think that 
the way that college football is changing, I think Saban kind of saw the writing on the wall. Like, you can't really dominate in this sport right now. Like, NIL, the transfer portal, it's making things – we talk about this sport is not what it used to be. And I think Saban's realizing that, and it's like, it's time to go. I know they said, like, he did say, like, this season did take a lot out of him. While he did say that this was, like, one of his fun- funnest teams, you could tell it took a lot out of him because this was probably one of his most stressful teams. Yeah, it's but, it's not even the... I mean, even at, even at the end, he was up 20-13, in the fourth quarter against Michigan. Still at like the end of what, like we didn't know at the time that that was his last game, but in his last game, he was like a couple plays away from playing for another national championship. Like, dude, that dominance is insane. If you have to ask me right now, what's more impressive, what Bill Belichick did in the NFL or what Saban did at Alabama, it's Saban, and I, in my opinion, I don't know if it's close. Because with recruiting, you have like you're making people choose you in the draft. You could pick whoever you want. So just like to get the players to buy in, to be just this absolute factory that was plugging in like all the records that in the draft that Alabama has. Like looking back at former rosters, and it's like, oh, that like this whole front, oh, this whole starting eleven is on an NFL roster, and oh, like some of their backups were on are on NFL. Ro- it's just insane. I like as an Ohio State fan, I'm glad. Thank God he's gone. Like, ding dong, the witch is dead. Like, the sport now, like. It was getting closer. I think, like, now Saban leaving, like, kind of makes it a lot closer. The only school that really worries me, like, is Georgia. But, I mean, it, dude, it, it, like, he was so, such a good coach. And, like, obviously, I hated him because, like, you want your team to be there, but also at the same time, it was hatred of the utmost respect. No, I totally get that. It's you. As somebody that's very neutral, like I just kind of root for greatness. So a lot of the times I rooted for Alabama in the national title game. I will say you, you spelled it a lot. I have a little, I, I wouldn't say what he did was, necessarily bigger than what Belichick did, but also Belichick had the greatest quarterback to ever like walk the face of the earth. So you could argue yeah, like, who won a championship like said, somewhere else. He won a championship with Jay Coker. He won a championship with some quarterbacks that probably would not deserve to win national championships. I mean, look, AJ McCarron won too, and he was it, like, come on. If you put AJ McCarron in like the – 2024 college football, like, what school is he going to? There was nothing about A.J. McCarron that was impressive. He was so Now, it, yeah, 
And now it was fun when he started like getting it, getting the good quarterbacks and stuff like that with like Tua, Bryce Young, Jalen Hurts, and stuff like that. And we got to see like just how good the the Alabama can be when they have a stud quarterback. And I mean, like as dominant as his teams were, like th- with the defense to start the change to having a dominant offense, like he did that like. Fluidly, like so perfectly. It was like Bama's this team that has like a dominant defense. All you have to do is score uh, 17 points and you're probably going to end up winning the game. To Alabama has this unstoppable offense that can drop 49 on anyone. Well, dude, like I, two things. One, to have the goddamn nuts to pull your quarterback and start this freshman that uh, yes in the highly championship yes he's highly touted and everybody knows he's really good like based off of like composite rankings and all that shit but to put him in the national championship be like look Jalen sorry you've won every game but one this season but I'm going to start this freshman because you don't have it in the second. Like, that, those things, like, that is amazing that he was, like, had the nuts to do that and it played out, like, so perfectly. And, man, I don't know. Like, well, not even that. And then, like, how poetically it was in the SEC championship the next year and you have to go back to Jalen because two was hurt. Well, to get, also to, like, talk Jalen in or not transferring that year. Like you, mm-hmm. Jalen knew going in, like I'm losing this job. Like this, this is to his team. Yep. And you do that, and then not to mention, there's like obviously winning. I think his like first three or four national titles was with the dominant defense and just an okay offense. But the defense was so dominant, it didn't matter. But towards the end, like you said, it got crazy. Like there's a very good argument. I still think it's the 2019 LSU team is the greatest team I've ever watched and on like ever. But you could argue that team that unfortunately I'm sorry beat your Ohio State team was the greatest football team I've ever seen in the at the college level, and that was on. I mean, every that, the problem is that was the problem is that was such a weird year, so it's hard to quantify it. But also at the same time, I fully agree that that team could be up there, like with that nineteen LSU team. No, that that Bama team was very, very good. That offense was damn near unstoppable. Even when you try to cover Devontae Smith with tough fucking Borland. Um, but yeah, com- I mean, that shit was like comedic. You just see tough, like just running Dude. out there, just oh my god, Devontae's free, and then Devontae in like a split second. Dude, I just, I just remember when, when I saw him line up, I'm like, this is a touchdown. Yeah. Like if I, if, if at that time you could have the live ability to live bet like plays, I would immediately bet like the plus like a thousand touchdown because I, I saw it coming. I mean. Granted, a lot of that was Sarkeesian, but also, like, that's another thing that he deserves so much credit for is, like, 
he turned around a lot of people's careers. Like, say what you want that of like how many different coordinators he had in and out, or all these assistants they had that had just left jobs. Like, I don't know if Sark's at Texas if it's without uh, Nick Saban. I don't know if Lane Kiffin is at Ole Miss if it's at without Nick Saban. It's like, like a is. Butch Jones at Arkansas State. If it's not yeah. for Nick Saban, it's like, like the... he did. Oh, he as much as we hate how much he dominated the sport, he also did so much to grow this sport. Yeah, a hundred percent. And then that it's also a part of coaching, though. Is mm-hmm. guys made mistakes, and even guys that didn't make mistakes, he surrounded himself with really good fucking football coaches. And I think he knew. Like, hey, I'm going to bring these guys in for a couple years. They're going to go prosper somewhere else. And then the next year, I'll bring somebody else in because I'm Nick fucking Saban. And that's a giant part of being a head coach. Like, he took in Sark after he was basically fired because he could not control his alcohol problem. And he took in... um, God, who's the other guy he took in? That I'm thinking of that had like a giant issue. Well, yeah, Kiffin for more like getting fired kind of issues. Bill Bryan was kind of the same thing. Just like put him on the staff. And that's a a big deal about coaching, man. Like if you're – if it checks your ethics, no matter what happened, just – I don't care if he's a castaway. There's a reason that person got a big job. Like Lane Kiffin got the USC job. Yes, you – left and other shit happened too but like bring him in he obviously knows he can coach bring him in like that's a giant part of coaching I think I don't think Urban Meyer's a really good coach to be honest with you X's and O's wise but guess what he surrounded himself with the best coordinators that helped him succeed I think he's an excellent motivator I think he was very good at getting his players ready for the situation they're walking into but like X's and O's wise I don't ever I every high state game he was there. I never watched him make adjustments in the games outside of the 2014 national title game. I don't think he was an amazing X's and O's coach, but he surrounded himself with really fucking good people, and that is a giant part of coaching. So goddamn, it's gonna it's gonna be weird watching Alabama next year with another coach. Um, did they finalize the contract? We should probably talk about that. Or are they still in negotiations? Uh... I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure at this at this point it's got. I'm trying to check to see. I mean, I know they've officially. Yeah, I mean, if it's yeah, he's agreed to the deal. Okay, so announce that. Even though everybody part so so the new it did not take Michigan or Michigan Alabama long to make their decision on who the next coach granted that it seems like they got their fourth option because it seemed like they swung and missed, swung and missed, swung and missed, and then landed on Kalen DeBoer because I mean, you had Dan Lanning post a video of saying he's back. You had FSU announcing Mike Norvell is back with an extension you have Sark announcing he's back with an extension. And then the last person it seemed like was on that board was Kalen DeBoer, which, I mean, I'm not trying to discredit Kalen DeBoer. 
he just took Washington to a national championship. Ultimately, he came up short, but still, you can't look at what Kalen DeBoer has done throughout his career and, like, just... I I don't know how well this hire is going to work, but what Alabama did do is they hired a winner. Everywhere he has been at, no matter what the level, he has won, and he has been very successful. He's won multiple NAIA championships. Uh, he literally just took just won the Pac-12 with Washington and took them to a national championship, beating the Alab or the Texas team that Alabama couldn't beat. Like. Uh, I don't know how well this hire is going to go right at, at, as it looks right now just because what do the what do how different is what the administration expects differs from what the fan base expects cuz I I'm expecting the fan base is no drop off like we're we're still a natty contender which ultimately I think Alabama year in year out even without Saban as long as Kalen DeBoer can recruit, should be there because Alabama has been at the top of the recruiting rankings for a while. If he can keep a lot of that roster together and keep the uh, keep the recruits coming in, I think that Alabama won't drop off that much. But like my like hesitations are. But we've never seen Kalen DeBoer coach at this level. Yes, he did, was a head coach at Washington. This is Alabama. Yeah, it's a big gap. The giant gap. I mean, like that, it, that is a giant jump up in competition. The other thing that does worry me, while Bama does have like a national footprint as far as recruiting, their base of their team is built in the South, and we have yet to really see how Kalen DeBoer can co recruit the South because that is the biggest thing. That is the that is the most important thing is recruiting the South. Like if you start going to the West Coast to get some of the recruits, like yeah, you're gonna get a lot of those Cali five and four stars. But how how are those guys going to go up against this like Georgia and all those teams that do nothing but recruit the South, where those big motherfuckers are like where NFL players are born every day in the South? Like how can you recruit them? And I mean, just the, the expectations. Like nobody wants to be the guy to follow the guy. It, it it's so hard to it, like when it popped up on the ticker to be Nick Saban's successor. It's like no Alabama isn't just hiring coach; they're hiring Nick Saban's successor. Like that's that's a giant ass title that I don't know how you could want to have that title. I mean. You, we were t you and I were texting back and forth about it last night, and um, like 
Alabama has had two of the greatest coaches in college football history between uh, Bear Bryant and Nick Saban. Also, there was 25 years in between those two where you only won one title. And I'm pretty sure I didn't do like that great of research on it. I'm pretty sure that one title was right after Bear Bryant left with a lot of his players. So, like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I like Kalen DeBoer. I hope for the best. But, man, this is, this is a school that the expectations can chew you up and spit you out. I mean, yeah, I like the hire. I don't hate the hire. But I do think, like you said, reiterating off of what you're saying, is the expectations for Alabama fans need to kind of lower. Like, winning 10 games at Alabama, it should be considered a good season to their fan base. It's not going to be. And I don't want them to run him Mm -hmm. out of town because he went 10 and three every single season for the first two years. Like, no, that's a good season. You're just spoiled. You had Bear Bryant and you had fucking Nick Saban. Um, I would like to see what he can do because like, obviously everybody's seen the graphic in the national title game, the amount of five stars and four stars that Michigan had compared to Washington. But what could Kalen DeBoer do with like a more five stars and more four stars because it's at Alabama? Like, well, yeah, that's a thing he probably could coach it's easier to coach four and five stars but also part of coaching is being able to get those guys to come to your school and Alabama can coach itself but we're gonna have to see what he can do and actually get those guys to commit to the school and see what produces on the field because guess what like every single game in the SEC is gonna be tough so I don't know I don't hate it yeah just just oh go ahead uh, the one thing I will I will say before you take off, um, it's a it the timing's tough because obviously like knowing what you know like now that you lost to Michigan in the playoff and you didn't get to compete for a national title, it would have been easier if they would have lost to Georgia and then Nick Saban retired and you had your you basically could have chose whoever you want. But they didn't get that option. They got Nick Saban had to coach. He had his guys. He had to compete for a national title. We didn't get that opportunity. And he basically, yes, you're Alabama. You can pluck a lot of coaches. But if this was 2014, like Dan Lanning's taking that job, like 1,000%. But this isesn't 2014 anymore. We're in 2024 now, and he's staying in Oregon because he knows the money. He knows the situation's good. He's got a lot of players going through there. He's had some success. Just lost to a team that competed for a national title on Monday. So, do you do you think that's like in, if this was 2014? Like Dan Lanning's the coach of Alabama, right? Like that's I don't think that's yeah. I, I think I said it to you. If Oregon isn't, I think if this is 2022, 2021, I think Dan Lanning takes this job. Because you have now that Oregon isn't in the Pac-12 and they are in the Big Ten, that changes a lot for them. So, like, I think it kind of takes the leap, like the um, 
leapfrog school that we thought Oregon was, I think that gets that way because I think they have a guy that can win there. And obviously, like, we don't know how much Nike is going to help with the funding in the NIL portion. It seems like as long as Phil Knight is alive, that's going to continue to happen. But I think if this if this is Oregon in the Pac-12, Dan Lanning takes that job. Yeah. My only thing that going back to the recruiting portion that has me like a little bit concerned about Kalen DeBoer. Washington played for a national championship this year. They were 35th in the recruiting rankings. They were literally or third, I'm sorry, 36. They were behind Georgia Tech and right above Rutgers. That's worrisome. That's a giant uptick that you're going to have to have in recruiting. Granted, he did have seven four stars, which was like more than Rutgers and Georgia Tech combined. He didn't have as many commits, but still, it's going to be like pretty big change for Kalen DeBoer and a pretty big change for the fan base. I think he can have success there. But, I mean, this just seems like it was so quick, like, kind of to keep the roster together for the most part. But, I don't know. I don't want to use the term fall guy, but it just seems like this this wasn't the hire. This was the hire before the hire. Like, the hire that they, that this guy might not last. So we'll we'll see what happens, but if it doesn't work, then we're gonna go full balls to the wall for who we really want. And, so I, mean, I don't I mean, know. I will say it, though, like it, it's hard to it's like Washington to me. Like I think Georgia Tech's easier to recruit than Washington, in my opinion, for location. Yeah, money, I mean, here's like the wa- so, Washington does have a little bit of a hotbed. Like you gotta think, like JT was from Washington. Like, that Washington roster, a lot of those guys are from that area. So, like, you were able to find the gems in the rough, but now you need to just be plucking the gems that are staring you right in the face that are five stars that want to come to Alabama that are in the south, that are in your backyard. The other problem is you got to think of like, it, what's in your state? Like, Hugh Freeze kind of has Auburn running pretty smoothly. I know there's a little bit of work to be done at the quarterback, but, like, some of the recruiting battles that they have won and some of the flips that they've been able to do, like, he's kind of got them going pretty good. And obviously, Georgia has their beast. So, I mean, it makes things a lot tougher in the SEC, even if you are Bama, which you've been at the top of for a while. But now you're going to have a new reality where you might not be at the top. I mean, you also just added Texas, which, no offense, if you, like, the one thing that I've been really hearing about Alabama is when it comes to the NIL, one, they were taking 
a lot of or a lot of recruits are coming at like NIL discounts because of Nick Saban. Uh, because of being coached by him and knowing, yeah, you're probably going to end up going to the NFL if all things work out for you. But also, like, a lot of people are saying they don't really have the money to spend. Like, that's a big thing, too. So and when it comes to the biggest part of, like, what's changing in college football, NIL, you're kind of, from the sounds of it, you're not, like, far behind but you're not where you should be if you want to be like the true, true contender. And especially like with Texas coming in and also Texas A&M money. Like those are hard schools to battle against. And if you were getting people or getting recruits at discounts because of your coach, like that's going to change too. Yeah. And I mean, to wrap it up in a whole is it's, it's more of like, we don't hate the hire by any means. I defended him a little bit more than you did. But it it's a good hire. I wouldn't say it's a great hire. But I think Alabama fans just got to, like, kind of understand, like, this is not Nick Saban. Like, it's it, – No, they, I – Things like, are different. I think this was a good hire. I don't want to get that – I want to give off the wrong impression. I like Halen DeBoer. I hope he – does good at there or does good at Alabama. I just think that the expectations, like if he, like, I almost feel like the fan base is going to want the still the same. Oh, three title or a title every three years. And that's just not feasible to do in today's college football. So I don't, I, I think that it could be a good hire. It's just, it's a good hire if you give him time. My biggest thing is, will this fan base, or I think the administration will try to give him time. I don't know if the fan base will give him time. That's my biggest concern. Because we've seen it with one school that, like Texas, we make, we joke about how the uh, boosters run that program. Like, you can't let that happen here. You got to let him, let Kalen, he's been successful everywhere. I don't think that there's any reason he can't have success there. I just, there's a lot of reasons to have some doubts. I'm I'm just waiting and seeing. That's all I'll say, but I do think he was a good hunter. You mean to tell me that Crimson Tide team that I've been rooting for for my whole life ain't won a title in three years? Fired a motherfucker. You're gonna get a lot of that. You, you, I, dude. You know how bad I wanted the news to just be Dabo. You know how bad I wanted that. God wanted me to come to Alabama. He told me my dreams. That's the shit you would got. You would have gotten the press conference. Well, no, dude. Like, oh my God, to see them outside of Nick Saban's, uh, or the Alabama fans outside of his statue. And they're chanting, anyone but Dabo. Oh, oh yeah. my God. That's I was like, please. I was ple- like, even the fo- the fine bomb clips of them going on. <laughs> what was it? The dude said that uh, he would rip his arm out of socket and beat himself to death with his compound fracture. 
Now, I'm not going to oh. try and say that Good. in the Alabama accent, but yeah, it was hilarious. What do you mean? I'm going to rip my arm off and just beat myself in the pelvis for 25 fucking minutes. And then he was threatening to, if Dab, like, as the continuation, if Dabo was the higher, he was going to set himself on fire on the 50 yard line. Yeah, care to give him any advice? That's fucked up. <laughs> Dabo? <laughs> you mean Dab? No. Don't want him. I want a tie guy going with me a tattle. You're going to get a lot. Yeah, of it, I mean, that would. I, for years, that seemed like what was going to be the easy hire, and now that's that almost seemed like the like way back option. Like I, I, you, you saw the name because for years we thought that was who was going to take over, but I, it just seems like it wasn't going to happen. I, don't, I think the fact that he does not go into the portal ultimately kept Dabo from getting this job. Quite possibly. But, I mean, I don't know. Great career. Football, College football is better when Nick Saban is a coach. But everybody's got to move on. Wish the best of life for him. It's going to be – I think it's going to be so much better because I think, like, already I think the power is shifting where the dominance is – I know that's so hard to say after Georgia just won two national championships. But it just seems like – with the what everybody thought that the NIL and transfer portal would be able to balance the power, it's starting to show, and it's starting to show that the there is a top still, but that top from like one to I'd say maybe fifteen is a lot closer. And then like that fifteen and so on, like college football is the closest. That it's been in a while, and I think now with Saban gone, I think it's going to be even closer. Yeah, the top tiers are getting wider and getting longer. Mm-hmm. So like the the difference between one and six is not as big as it used to be. Like there's still there's still tiers, there's still teams that can actually win it, but it's getting bigger. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, come, I mean that basically wraps it up. Again, just awesome man, like a. Great career, greatest coach ever. Like I wish you all the best in retirement. Um, hope you still come around. I would love to see him on college game day someday, just breaking down some games. Dude, somebody somebody said that if there was ever anybody to take over for Lee Corso, I'd want I'd want it to be saving Dude, in a heartbeat. That's the best hire. That's better than any coaching hire I've ever seen. Just put him on there. And also like ESPN. Exactly, like, dude. Can we not just keep rolling him out there till he dies. I'm <laughs> like, it's it's bad. It's getting please. Bad. Yeah, like there, there. He has his moments, but then it's just like sometimes it like his he just tails off. Just show his picks. But who, who I, I will always yes. Yes. Show, show show me show me him putting on the la- the the headgear. Yeah, exactly. Like, like that's our childhood. Like we love that. But dude, don't keep rolling this guy out here just talking about nothing. Like I, he goes on some tangents, and I'm like, dude, I, where where are we going with this? Do you need uh, the listeners for this conversation, or are you just talking to yourself? But anyways, um, 
Yeah, college football's not done. It's a sport that's, if you're going to be profitable betting-wise, is going to be year-round. So there's still going to be some episodes. There's going to be some pop-up episodes about some transfer news, coaching news, and all this. Because there's going to be some impacts which come with Washington, with Kalen DeBoer leading, leaving, Nick Saban retiring mm-hmm. in Alabama. There's going to be a lot of... Trust me, I'm on Twitter right now. I'm waiting for uh, Mr. Downs to hit the portal. Trust me, I am all over looking. Because if you don't know, obviously with Saban leaving and now with DeBoer leaving, this opens a 30-day period for those for Bama players and Washington players to all enter the transfer portal, even though it is closed. And ultimately, whatever school Washington, I mean, I I haven't even been begin to think who oh, does Washington hire. Either did I, to be honest. But we'll get into that. Um, but. Come Monday is the complete rundown of what has been the college basketball season. Um, later in the week, we will talk college football, transfer news, coaching moves, NFL draft decisions, everything like that. And then come later in the week, we will do basically college basketball picks throughout the season. And then there's going to be some college football sprinkled in there too because it matters. So until then, Connor, we are out of here. Thanks.